Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, hello and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Uh, What are we on? Episode number, like, I think it's 77 for the Palace of Pistons podcast here today. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay here with me. And guys, uh, we're still in those, those days of August. The off season, we're, we're getting ready for the Pistons to kind of start back up. Summer league's done, free agency's done, but every day we get closer to the beginning of the NBA season coming back again. But boys, as we get into the pod again this week, how we feeling? How we doing? You know, this is going to be an interesting week for the podcast. There's really no news to talk about with the Pistons. We've we're really at that dead point. Things are going to pick up on Monday. When the NBA schedule comes out, that'll give us something to talk about for the next week or so. But the NBA in general just does not have much going okay. on. Well, don't kill us, though. Guys, I promise you, you still want to stay. Okay, like, don't, don't, don't leave. How about you let me finish talking? <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Well, you're like, it's just dead. There's not like it's, anything going on. I said on. There's, there's not a lot of news going on. Aaron's but not you a don't salesman. Let me don't go when I'm going to say, we still have a ton of we're not. We're not even talking Pistons yet, and we're fighting. <laughs> well, it's like I can't even finish my opening statement, and I got Brennan ready to bag me. Jesus. What, this isn't a I'm debate? I'm saying there's not a lot of good news out there about the Pistons. There's no news in general. But we still got a lot of fire topics, a lot of debate, a lot of discussion going on this week on the podcast, and I'm truly excited to break it all down and once again, like I do every other week, whip Brendan's behind in debate. Bullshit. Bull- what? Did I hear it's somebody in the crowd? Huh. But guys, listen, we, we still got some good stuff to talk about. Aaron, it just... That's not a great you're gonna sales let, you're pitch, gonna let Ryan, You're going to let Ryan ask I, I how he to. is? I got I mean, you. Ryan, Ryan gave me a nod. He told me to go for it. He, it was totally him. He gave me the nod. So I just want to say, like, Ryan, would you agree, Aaron, that sales pitch a little bit off there? Not really. Jeez, <laughs> it's wow. This was just a real, really threw me off this start to the podcast, let me tell you. Uh, Aaron, you're not wrong when you say it is the dog days of summer for the NBA. Um But in general, I mean, yeah, we'll have some good topics to talk about. We'll get in some discussion. Um, Maybe Brendan and Aaron won't try to fight each other here at the table. A real fist fight, a real brawl. That's you what guys I'm don't even want to know. Like dog we, fights. We keep like arguing, but I'm ready to just knock him out. You and me both, buddy. Knock yourself out? No, I'm gonna put you on the ground. But anyway, okay. I'm doing all right, guys. Um, good to see you, Ryan. Good, it's good to, to see you, you fellas. Absolutely. Uh, but hey, I guess let's just get into it because I don't want to fight over the opening statements. No, exactly. <laughs> That's not what we want the fist fight to be. I about. will go for the last word though. Of course, Aaron says so. Throw me to the ground because Aaron's lazy ass. The only place he goes is the ground. Anyways, on to the pod. Did that make any sense? I don't even know what's going on right now. So uh, can we talk about the pissing? It's a squabble of, among brothers. A squabble among brothers. How about this? In a recent article uh, from Rod Beard of the Detroit News. Uh, he kind of gave some some indication that Reggie Jackson, his tenure in Detroit, might not be uh, to the end of this upcoming season. And he quotes saying, Rose is a good addition behind Reggie Jackson, who very likely will be moved before the trade deadline. That's Rod Beard of the Detroit News. Uh, very credible piston source saying that. Reggie- Rod, what do you know, buddy? What do you know? Yeah. That's that's pretty thick right there. I mean, we all kind of, everyone's known for quite a while that um that Reggie's kind of on the trading block. No matter how good or how poor he is, the Pistons don't seem to have him in the plans it's going not forward. It's not really a fit and they want to try to move. That's really no secret. But that's a pretty telling statement, mm-hmm. am I wrong? Oh, the thing is, it's like it's not just Reggie Jackson. There's a chance he's not even here past the deadline. No, it's 
Reggie Jackson, who very likely will be moved before the deadline. That's a strong take, like very high indication that we don't want to get used to seeing Reggie Jackson in Detroit for too much longer because it ain't going to last. I don't know. I feel like we've gotten a lot of misdirection about Reggie Jackson in his tenure with Detroit. And by no means is this discrediting what Rod Beard is saying. I personally don't know if that's him just kind of like giving his read on the situation or if that's backed up by sources. So I'm kind of taking it with a grain of salt and, and from the standpoint of that's him saying that it's going to happen. I feel like that's more of just like the belief because I feel a lot of people kind of feel that way about Jackson and his tenure here. Um, but overall, I mean, it's not that shocking to hear that. I don't know if I fully agree with it, but people have been, the fans at least, have been very much so ready for the departure of Reggie Jackson and the Derrick Rose signing for a large group of those people was shown as an indication that they have their next point guard, at least for the time being, by bringing in Derrick Rose. So for it, it's something that I see the I see the stock in it. I don't know how much I would buy into it, but it's something that I understand. Uh, and you know, for a guy that when he when he got to Detroit was playing very good basketball and then suffered injuries throughout back to back seasons, that was just really tough to go through. Uh, for a guy that I was very excited about, it's kind of disappointing how his tenure has played out. And I still think he's a good basketball player. So. I hope that whether he's with the Pistons or not, he's able to have a good season and a good next season, whatever, get his payday, become a valuable player because I still think he is one. But this news or this report or this hinting or this belief isn't all that surprising to me. Yeah, it, you're right. It's not surprising. Like, like I said and like you said, this keeps being brought up and brought up and brought up. There must be some merit to it. It's just that that's a really strong way of wording. Right. It. It's not saying like, hey, as we all expect, Reggie will, you know, there's a good chance Reggie it, may be moved. That's saying, hey, Reggie's going to be moved. Rose is a good addition behind a point guard who's very likely going to be moved. Like that's that's really strong. Like I have to believe he knows something. Like he's heard something from a source somewhere For, to put it to word it that way. Right. I have to believe he knows a little... I'm not saying he knows the whole shebang. And I'm not saying he's reporting false information or true information. I'm not saying any sort of report. I'm just saying he has had to have heard something from someone credible that there's a real move that's a big time possibility here. So you take this, you look at the quote, and it's been talked about for a while. Now... Rod Beard saying that, hey, it's very likely that he's moved before the deadline. With this being the case, does this now become your expectation that Reggie Jackson will be moved? Do you expect going into the season that Reggie will not be a Detroit Piston past the trade deadline? And if that's the case, what kind of market are we talking about? What are, What is Detroit going to be able to pull back for a point guard that's on an expiring deal? I mean, do you think they're going to be able to get much for Reggie Jackson? In terms of him being moved, I expect him to be moved. It doesn't mean it's going to happen because, you know, things fall through all the time. But in terms of, I don't think it even really matters how the team, unless the team is in first or second place, unless they're absolutely killing it, I expect him to be moved no matter what. Whether they're doing well or poor, I don't think he sticks around, especially if they're doing, especially if they're kind of middling. Seven, right. eight seed. Mm-hmm. I would expect him to be moved to make a, to attempt to make a, a move where they start competing at a higher level. That being said, what is the market for rejection? I know you asked that. I don't really know. I don't know if he has that high of a market. Yes, he has an expiring. And if he's playing well, that adds to his value. But what else are the Pistons going to have to add in, to move him? You know what I mean? Right. And then you you kind of start to wonder. What's the direction the Pistons go? Because, don't forget, they signed Rose to a two-year deal. Are they looking at Rose to be the point guard till the end of, you know, not this upcoming season, but then the following? You think going into the free agency and uh, what would that be, in 2021, when there's, you know, the lure free agents, like, 
are they maybe targeting a point guard in that free agency class? Like, all is I that know what is, this is leading to? All I know is, with Derrick Rose here, and based off Rob Beard's quote, if and when Reggie Jackson gets moved, it's not going to be for a point guard. They like Derrick Rose to start at that point, from what it sounds like, and they like Tim Frazier and Bruce Brown backing up Derrick Rose. So, that means they'd probably be looking for some sort of wing help, I would assume. Um, I know they've got Snell, and you've got Sekou, and you've got Luke. I get that, but maybe some sort of upgrade on the wing, maybe at the big position. Well, and then you start to wonder, you know, does Tony Snell or Luke Kennard get thrown Are they in the exactly. to Are make part of upgrade? the deal? It's, it's kind of crazy how much could trickle down <coughs> from a, a, a trading a Reggie Jackson. Because it's not just trading Reggie Jackson, it's... We got Andre Drummond's free agency looming. It all indications are he's going to decline that player option, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. If they're not able to get a big upgrade over Reggie Jackson in a deal for him, which I don't see happening unless you're attaching Luke and future picks or Seku and other young pieces, and I just don't know how willing Detroit is to do that unless you're really moving the needle like a Bradley Beal. I just don't know how willing Detroit will be to do that because they, this front office hasn't indicated that they're going to overspend or they're going to sell young pieces or sell assets for a marginal improvement. So I don't know how much value you're going to get for Reggie Jackson. But if you trade Jackson and you only get an average return, you know you it's a neutral trade, doesn't really help you, doesn't really hurt you, then you have Drummond. And whatever he does, I think Drummond's really the kind of the big indicator here. Uh, and we know that Drummond and Jackson have a close relationship, but it just all is a trickle down effect. No, everything hinges on Andre. You're you're right about that, and the fact that if this team starts off hot, that's one thing. But like we've talked about, if it's a slow start to this season, and you're looking at you know 11 and 24, which I don't think is going to happen. But what if they do struggle? I don't think Andre Drummond's going to be like committed to coming back. You're right. No. He's going to decline that option. And with, with the team middling this much, would you want to re-sign him to a max deal? No. Cause that, or would you try to move him at the deadline? Well, that's, what I'm, that's what I was going to say. What I know that's what you're getting at. Yeah. I didn't mean to I cut mean, you off. No, no, it's just, you're good. All of a sudden, it's just like, yeah. And it's, it's like, like what's Blake happen, you know? Right. If, if Jackson gets moved and the Pistons are struggling, does that mean they move Drummond? at the deadline or try to get some sort of value for Drummond at the deadline and then address Blake in the offseason. I mean, I can't imagine them trading Reggie, Blake, and Drummond all at the trade deadline. That's just a lot to do right. and a lot of moving pieces. You also don't get a great return at the deadline. I feel like you always get a better return in the offseason than you do at the deadline. Unless, I tend to agree with that. Unless if you have like a marquee guy. like If Anthony Davis was going to get traded at the deadline, you probably could have gotten a really solid return, right? But... Trading, trading a guy like Andre at the deadline. It's I, I don't I don't know how much you're I mean, going to get they, for him. when when teams have more open cap space and you don't necessarily have to work with their cap limitations during the year and whether they've already traded the draft pick their draft pick this year so they can't mm-hmm. trade the next draft pick that they have whatever the case may be. Just also, more it's, open it's hard to move. It's hard to move a multitude of assets during the year. Because you can't just go out and just start signing guys and rebuild your right. team. Right, that's why it's like you I, could never move all three of them. But I, if Jackson gets moved and Drummond's going to come off the books anyway, Detroit would be smart to try to trade him if that's what they decide and if they're struggling. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I Back to just the, the main question of what kind of return should you expect for Jackson. If I had to say what I expect today, I'm saying it's a neutral return. doesn't help you. It doesn't hurt you. It's just kind of... Same value. If if it's a neutral return, I would I wouldn't even bother, honestly, with the trade unless unless Reggie has some sort of locker room problem, which he's clearly not, and, and you know the team is just so dysfunctional. Then sure, you're just moving them to move them. But right. if what's a neutral return really do for you? Here's your team? what here's what it does. You're Detroit. You want to move on from Reggie Jackson. Reggie goes out, and he plays really well the last three weeks of the year. Now, you start to contemplate, what do we do? 
We just saw Reggie play a great last three weeks. He bolstered us into the eight seed of the playoffs. We won a playoff game. Let's say, let's just hypothetical say that happens. Because now Reggie's like, okay, I'm probably not coming back here, but like I need to play for my contract. I need to earn my money. And and he does this. Now, if you're Detroit, you got to think about well, what do we do? And then if you re-sign Reggie. And he just kind of remains a neutral point guard. It's not that, That's kind of how I view him right now. Before I used to view Reggie as hurting you. I think he's gotten, A, he's gotten better over time. And B, it, it's just kind of neutral out to where, all right, he's not hurting us anymore. It's not like he's a negative. But how much is Reggie helping us either? And then you just stay in limbo and you stay for whether it's three or four years, whatever you sign him to. Um the other thing is, if it's a neutral return, is there any potential in that neutral return? Is it neutral in the sense of it's another expiring deal coming back, you're just swapping players, and at the end of the year they're gone regardless? Or is it, well, we've attached a second-round pick to this? And, I mean, you never know about a second-round pick when you look at Bruce Brown, or we look at Kyrie, we see some hope there, like... There could be some value in a second-round pick. That could be added to a trade package on draft night to move up in the draft, even if it's five or six picks. So, you know, I guess it's what you consider neutral. Is it neutral in helping you for the remaining X amount of games or neutral in the long term? You know what I mean? And I, get where, I understand where you're coming from, um, but if Reggie just turned it on in the last three weeks and got Detroit to an eight seed and they won a playoff game, I don't think that sways the front office's opinion at all, to be honest. Okay. I, I, they'd be, I, I believe they'd just be like, all right, great, fantastic, thank you for your service, move on. What happens when Dre says, though, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the player option or I'll re-sign here in Detroit, you're bringing Reggie back, we keep this thing going, we've been young, we've been growing together, like, you don't think that there's any chance that... Well, if- I mean, it's one thing for Andre to say something. I don't even. I don't even. I don't think he. Honestly, I don't, don't think he dabbles all into the front office stuff like that. Agree. I think the only guy that would do that is Blake, and I. And I also kind of think Blake kind of like I'm gonna let the front office do their thing. I mean, I might try to help recruit a little bit here and there, but I'm not gonna go in and say you better bring Reggie back or you better let Reggie walk. And even though I know Drummond's good friends with him. Drummond, I just don't feel like is that kind of guy to be like, yeah. you need to go do this gonna stay out or I'm going to go leave or, you know, whatever. I'm also, I think um, Stefanski and Rose and Garrity and those guys, if Drummond tried to strong arm them like that, I think they'd give it right back to them. I don't think those guys are bluffing at all in that front office. Yeah. I don't either. I just, I, we talk about it a lot, but this regime, regime, wow, this regime is just so different than... The Stan Van Gundy and Jeff Bowers, like, there's just a different vibe around them. Like, it just there's a sense of we really know what we're doing. Just give us some time, and you're 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 slowly seeing our process. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. So you look at the Pistons roster, and I know we're talking about guys potentially being moved and traded and whatever, but as it currently stands, and, and let's say that. I mean, we're just talking about going into the year and there's no moves that are made. And the roster stays the same going all the way through. Who's the X factor for Detroit this year? You want my curveball answer? Sure. Reggie Jackson. I think that Reggie Jackson is set to really bounce back this year. Okay. He's coming in off a healthy offseason. He had a very good second half of the year where in the first half before before the All-Star break, he was averaging about 29 minutes per game. After the All-Star break, he averaged about 25 minutes per game. His points per game went up. His shooting efficiency went up. He was a plus 1.9 on the court rather than a minus 0.1 on the court like he was in the first half of the year pre-All-Star break. Second half, Reggie Jackson was pretty freaking good. So was Reggie Jackson in the postseason when Detroit really didn't have anyone besides Reggie and Luke and then Blake who... For two games, walked you know ran with one leg, and Andre had his struggles, and the rest of the team, you know, you were playing the Bucks, just a much better team than you. But Reggie was still pretty solid in the playoffs. This is a guy that all indications point to him bouncing back pretty freaking well next year, 
And I know we just talked about the Pistons moving on from him and, and the team not really needing him and they can go in a different direction. But at the same time, I think we're going to see a different Reggie Jackson than we've ever really seen before, or at least a different Reggie Jackson than we've seen in the past two, three seasons. I think it's just going to be a whole different ball game, and I really think he's about to come out, and he's going to shock some people. I like where your head's at, Aaron. I like it a lot. And you threw the curveball to everyone, so I guess I'll just lob lob the meatball over the plate. I think Luke Kennard's the X factor next year. Because there's so much versatility there with how you want to play him. You can insert him in the starting lineup, and he is that shooter that Blake Griffin needs. Or if you play him off the bench, because you want to put Bruce Brown in the starting lineup uh, in the backcourt again, he is the shooter that Derrick Rose will need to kick the ball out to when he's driving and dishing. There's, there's just so much versatility, and he's still growing in his game. He's a young player. I believe he's going to take that next step, and that next step is averaging 15-16 a game. And Lord knows the Pistons are in dire need of shooters. And I think that changes the whole complexity of the season for the Pistons is when Luke Kennard is shooting well and putting up buckets. 100%. Here's another thing, right? Last year we talked about Luke Kennard not fitting with that starting unit and how he didn't play as well when he was on the floor with Reggie, Andre, and Blake. And... If Luke's going to be able to exist in the starting lineup, he's got to be able to play with those guys. He's got to be able to be efficient with those guys in whatever his role may be. And, Ryan, you touched on it best. If Luke Kennard is able to be that guy that Blake can kick out to, or if Reggie's running the pick and roll, he can kick out to, and can be that consistent upper 30s, low 40s percent shooter from beyond the arc, um, and, and has some versatility in the way he scores the basketball, then... Detroit could take a huge step forward. You know, I'm not saying they could win the Eastern Conference, but all of a sudden they could move themselves in a position to be a five seed and compete in a playoff series. You know, have a chance to get to that second round and see what happens. But if he comes off the bench, which they're, even though I really, really think Luke needs to start and play starter minutes, Luke coming off the bench and playing with the second unit for Detroit in the way they're built currently may make the most sense. Because, yes, then it does give Rose that knockdown shooter, that go-to scorer, that you know Rose can get to the cup and he can make plays at the basket, but he's got to be able to have somebody that can space the floor with him. And you know Luke may just have to be that guy, unless if Bruce Brown is at his, you know, at, at such a confident point where he can shoot the ball again. Because if Bruce is at that point where he can't, it, we've talked about this before. He becomes he, he's in a weird spot. Um, so, interesting to see what way they go. But I, I agree with you, Ryan. Luke Kennard is the X-Factor. And we we hit on shooting, that the Pistons need shooting, shooting, shooting. But another thing that Luke was starting to show in his game as he got more confident last year is playmaking ability. Yes. And the Pistons, like we said, God knows, Lord knows they need shooting. Lord knows they need some playmaking. You've got Blake Griffin making some plays. Reggie can make some plays. And I expect Derrick Rose to be able to make some plays. After that, it, it's it's kind of limited in your playmaking ability on this team. Luke can open things up for other guys. If he's coming off the bench, how's he opening things up for Morris? How's he opening things up for Thon or Christian Wood? You know, is he opening up lanes for Derrick Rose now? What I just expect him to take a step forward in that regard too. Or if he's with the starters. He's, he opens up, he creates shots for Andre Drummond. Does he create three three, uh, three ball opportunities and lane drives for uh, Tony Snell? You know, how do these things open up? He showed as the year went on, he can be a playmaker, and I expect that to carry on as well. Real quickly on Luke, because I think we're going to talk about him at a later date in time when the season gets a little bit closer. Uh, I, would, I want Luke to start, and I think... If you want to get the best of both best of both worlds kind of scenario, Luke is the guy that starts, plays the first six seven minutes, comes out no later than the five minute mark of the first quarter, so then he can be out there to start the second quarter with your all bench unit, you know. So he so it's not an all bench unit. He plays a similar role to Marcus Morris played a few years. Yeah, ago. exactly. It's the Marcus Morris role where he's a starter. You get him in there for his shooting. Uh, and then by the time he goes out there with the second unit, he's warmed up, he's been in the game, and, you know, you get Bruce in there for a few minutes or you get whoever in there for a few minutes. I'm all, like, on the Luke needs to start. 
But I also understand the the bench needs a shooter, the bench needs more playmaking, and Luke can still do that in that kind of role. If you don't have to play an all-bench unit, you never really should. Like, if you can have one or two starters in at all times, you should. And, and I think that there's a scenario where Luke is able to start, but then be with that second unit group. But Brennan, real quickly, just for the sake of the poll we're going to post on at Palace of Pistons on Twitter, if you had to pick another X Factor for the Pistons, you don't have to go into a ton of detail, who would it be? So outside of Luke. Outside Hart. of Luke and outside of Reggie Jackson. Man, that is um, that's a good question. And, you know, because there's a variety of, I think, angles you could go with this. I think there's a cop-out answer. I think that you know, there's two cop-out answers. The cop-outs are Andre and Blake Griffin, right? Because if Blake's playing really well, Detroit's going to be able to compete. They may be a 500 ball club, but they're going to win enough games if Blake is playing at a high level. And, you know, if Andre's playing at a high level, you know Blake's going to be at a decent level. And again, Detroit, at, at worst, is going to be a 500 ball club. So then I start to look at the bench, and I'm going to go with Bruce Brown. The reason why is, what does Bruce Brown give you this year? We saw Bruce Brown and Aaron's argument a few weeks ago how he could be the backup point guard for Detroit. And he really showed that he could pass the ball and be an efficient backup point guard. But right now, as we currently sit, at best he's the third point guard, if not the fourth, if Tim Frazier slides in at the third spot on the depth chart. So then we look at him as a two guard. Is he going to start? Is he going to be on the bench unit? And if he starts, is he going to be able to score the ball? Does he even need to score the ball? Not in a high volume, but if he's that kick-out option, he's got to be confident enough to shoot or be able to make a play get into the rim. He's got to be able to rim run as a guard and make some second-chance plays and score even if it's in unorthodox ways. If he's on the bench, Derrick Rose is going to need a guy that can shoot the ball. right? And if you look at that bench unit... It's looking like it's going to be D. Rose, and it's going to be Luke or Bruce Brown, and it's going to be, uh, I mean, the three-man, I guess, kind of up for debate. Is it Seku? Is it maybe a Zvi? Who knows, right? Uh, Markeith Morris and then Thon Maker to round out the lineup. You don't have a lot of shooters there. So let's say Bruce is in that second unit, and he's playing you know, a volume of minutes with the second-string guys. Can he score the ball? Um, so, so I think Luke and Bruce Brown are your two biggest X factors going into the year outside of your obvious cop-out answers, in my opinion. It's interesting. I mean, I agree with you. And like Aaron said, we're going to talk about Luke Kennard and his rotational piece at a later date, most likely. But that does beg the question, because I do like and I agree with and I've thought the same way about Luke's minutes. He should be a starter. And you put him in that uh, Mook Morris type thing, uh, type role, excuse me, where he's out at the five-minute mark, and he's rolling with the second unit to start the second quarter. And if that's the case, your backcourt is Rose and Kennard, and your three is Bruce Brown. So that takes away Svi or Seku or Kyrie. Right. You don't have any questions about your backup three at that point. And then you'll still, and you'll still mix in a Svi or Seku yeah, for and a few still, spot yeah, minutes. Yeah, they'll still mix in. But they're not going to be a 15, 16-minute-per-night kind of guy because Luke's going to be in and Bruce is going to be in. And you'll get him for a few minutes here and there when Luke's on the bench to then get ready to end the second quarter with with the starters or whatever. But it, it, and Svee's a guy where, you know, if you're worried about shooting in the second unit, it, it would make sense that Svee plays because he's a good shooter. And, you know, you go from there. So how about you guys? Any other thoughts on the X Factor? I mean, would, would you be going an Andre or Blake route? Do you have anybody else to add to the mix? The thing is... I don't think your star players can be X, your X Factor. You know I, what I mean? I agree with that. Like you they need to already be an X Factor. Like they right. need to be Well I, and I feel so like what, I feel like Andre you could say X Factor. Blake is probably right. out of the mix. Andre you could say, well if Andre because you can look at the second half of the season and you could say first half of the year, Andre not as good. Second half of the year the Pistons, you know, take a step forward, partly because of the play of Andre Drummond. So no, you're right. Like, you can say, this team's X-Factor is Blake Griffin. This team's X-Factor is Andre Drum. Like, But for me, just, I expect it from them. So what's going to set this team apart is someone else helping those guys, those two carry the load. You know what I mean? Of course, yeah, Blake's the X-Factor, obviously. And Andre Drum last year in the second half was the X-Factor, obviously. But what, I ex- like I said, I expect those two to be there. So what's that third piece that helps them bring it home. You know what I mean? Right. And to me, that's what the X Factor is. Sure. And sure. I think it's Luke. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I mean, I think those are the right answers. I think Luke, I think Reggie Jackson, and I, and I think 
Bruce are, are, are all the fair answers. I think maybe you could throw in a Derrick Rose, but I mean, Derrick Rose is kind of only an X factor because of his health. Well, and you can say that about anyone. Derrick Rose becomes the X factor if they trade Reggie and they're still trying to compete. Yes, agreed. If if Reggie's traded and they're tr- and they're but they're in win now mode, they're going for it. Then what does Derrick Rose like? Do? Let's That's say because huge. if they trade Reggie and they get a guy that could start at the three, and then Tony Snell slides to the bench, and I don't care if it's Luke or Bruce starting at that point, Derrick Rose being a starting point guard becomes the X factor. Until then, oh, though, absolutely. Until then, it's Luke Kennard, absolutely. And behind him, you know, is Bruce Brown and or Reggie Jackson. Agreed. Know? I mean, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about Andre though, and what he could do in free agency. And before we move from that, I want to give Mike Fillion a nice little shout. You know, check out PalaceOfPistons.com. We've got a lot of great content. You know, hitting the website. Um, you know, kind of a new energy just with we've added some writers to our, our roster, if you will. Um, we've added so, just some unique stuff. And, and Mike Fillion did a nice job kind of summarizing what Andre Drummond's options are going into the offseason with his player option and you know what could happen if he declines the option and the route the Pistons could go. So, you know, I don't want to steal the thunder from that. I would encourage you to check that out. There's a lot of good stuff, though. And just before we kind of move on to our next topic, I think we've got a pretty good group of guys doing really good content work on our website and on our new YouTube channel. You know, Tim Forkin just dropped a video about the the biggest draft busts for the Pistons. You know, whether you want to talk about Stanley Johnson, whether you want to look at a Brandon Knight. Uh, he talks about how you know Luke and Seiko are obviously still too new to really hit on them, amongst some other guys. So, uh, you know, some good video content, some good writing content, and that, that only names a couple of guys. There's several more who are new, but yeah. and the guys that have been here, just yeah. doing really good work. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a not a transition, but a, a new age for Palace of Pistons in a sense. We got some big things coming, uh, and we're we're working to put ourselves down the right path. So I'd highly suggest that you check out palaceofpistons.com. There's a ton of new content out there, and there's a ton of content already done, already planned, and already in the works. We've got more stuff coming to you soon. And do check out the video on the new Palace of Pistons YouTube page. Tim Forkin dropped that on Thursday. So it's a great video. You need to check that out, and you need to subscribe. That all helps the Palace of Pistons team out, the Palace of Pistons brand out. Um... But yeah, Mike's piece on Drummond was great, and he got a lot of love for it, deservedly so, because he highlighted what Drummond could do, what the Pistons might have to do, and it was just very, it was very in in depth. It was very thoughtful. I do very much so suggest that if that's going to be your one article you read for the Pistons on a weekly basis, if you only read one, if you only read a few, make that one a part of your reading selection. No doubt. We've got some new writers. We've got some new content. Andre Drummond's got a new diet. He uh, He's, I guess what, gotten rid of red meat and limited himself to one beer a day. Or added a beer a day. Added a beer it's a day. added a beer a day to his diet. Well, so I, now that's, like, he, like, it's not just, a, oh, I'm going out with somebody, or I'm going to go to the bar, whatever. It's, I have to drink this beer. It's part of my diet. Interesting approach from the big fella. I know he's going for a caloric intake, and that's what he's trying to reach to give himself energy, and I understand that. Uh, still an interesting take, though, to be on um, on the beer. Hey, man, I'm not going to knock Instead it. Instead of taking in another meal, right? taking right? in a beer. I'm not going to knock it. Live your best life. <laughs> no, hey, is he I'm, added a beer or he's living himself too No, long? no, no. It's, he has to have a beer a day. So I think it's uh, whether he whether he doesn't drink every day or he drinks every day and he can only have one, whatever. He has a beer a day. I mean, I I don't he's know. He's a Miller Lite guy and he's a Corona guy. I don't know all Major the ins, respect. I don't know all the ins and outs of the situation and how the diet works. So I'll just say this: if he's he's clearly working with dietitians and nutritionists because that's what pro athletes work with. The best of the best because their body has to be the best of the best. So their performance can be the best of the best. So if there's a nutritionist and a dietitian and all these things telling him how to incorporate the calories into his diet and that was brought up as, hey, this is a way to do it. You should, you can go for this. This is okay. Who am I to say no? Right. That No, Andre, you can't be drinking this beer. Shame on you. 
Get in the gym, bro. Get in the gym, bro. Work on your post moves. I'm not gonna say. Yeah. I'm not gonna say jack about <laughs> it. But if it's just him going out of his way replacing a meal, not even a big meal, because it's not like these are 500, 600 calorie beers. Right. But if he's just replacing a supplement. like uh, you know, some sort of meal, small meal, with a beer, and he's doing that on his own accord, I don't know what to think about that. I mean, I guess go for it. Yeah. I mean, sure. Isn't it? Isn't it like it's August 9th. This is the biggest Pistons news I know. story. This of the is week. the news. Andre Drummond. This is the one. Day. This is the one sort of like news we could act like we can actually talk about. That's it's August, guys. It's yeah, August. It's slow, but like I said, I mean, do you agree? Yeah, I, here's, I can't I really thought, fault him. What I thought about is though, is having one beer a day worth sacrificing red meat? If like you were looking at your diet, I'm not talking from a pro athlete standpoint. Now I'm just talking from like your average Joe standpoint here. Would you sacrifice red meat to have a beer a day, Ryan? I would not. Absolutely but I, not. In Drummond's case, I don't think it's sacrificing red meat for a beer. I know. I'm just. I'm a lot it. of a lot of athletes are giving up red meat. There's now. a lot. I mean, that's a very common just trend. You know, nationally, just as a diet across, you know, both professional athletes and your average Joes. Like, a lot of people are giving up the red meat for a variety of reasons. Um, I don't think I could do it though. No, no. Just your average Joe question. Can I drink a beer a day instead of having red meat? I can't do that. I'm sorry. No chance. I'd rather have the red meat. I, I if, you know, I, I wouldn't consider myself to be this, you know, alcoholic drinker. But I enjoy having a brew here and there, right? If I had to pick giving up beer or giving up red meat, though, I can live without the liquid pleasure. I can, too. And it's not like I eat red meat every day because I no. definitely don't. Right. It's not too often I eat a ton of red meat, but still, I can't imagine giving up red I'm, meat. I'd be lucky. Beer. I, I'd be lucky to say I have steak once a month. Right. You know. I mean, I'll, I'll probably I have you know a burger. Uh, I don't want to say once a week, but at least every other week I'll have a burger. You know. Or, I mean, there's different red meats, though, besides just a hamburger. Of course. I mean, you're talking, like, you know, ground beef tacos. You're talking about steak. You're talking about, like, sausage. You're talking about a lot of different things yes. to where, in one way or another, you know, red meat's incorporated into my diet. I mean, ground beef and a pasta sauce. Exactly. You know, and a meat sauce. Exactly. So, no, I don't I don't think I could. I don't think I could do it. I could. Aaron, I wouldn't ask you the question... You are not of a legal age, and I would never put you in a position to talk about something, uh, you know, that I know you would never ever do. Right? No, we're yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah. So this one, I'm sorry, had to leave you out on that question. It, it's just for the adults in the room. All right. See, now you just now you just <laughs> now you just ruined it. Like I'm um, fine going along with it, and then you just ruined it. But no, it's just interesting. I, like I said, he. Andre's dealing with professional, top-of-the-line nutritionists and dietitians. Or at least he should be, if he's trying to be the best he can be. At least he should be consulting those type of, those types, the best of the best in the health and fitness world and nutrition. So if they're okay with it, who am I to say no? Right. I'm no nutritionist. I'm no super world-class athlete. Who am I to say Hey. I'm not going to judge him if, if he's being given this advice. Fair enough. I don't know what type of nutritionist would be given this advice, but if he's being given that advice, more power to him. Right. You know, something we talked about, you know, you've been following the pod, is we've talked about the X factors for the Pistons this year. We've talked about, you know, even a little bit of direction they could go with lineup and rotation and things like that. And guys that, you know, Ryan, you talked about what you expect out of guys like Blake and Andre. So what piston do we expect the least out of this year? And and I don't I mean, to me, I'm thinking I want you to go with a guy that we expect to at least at least most likely be part of the mix in some way. Um, but at least a guy that's gonna be on the NBA roster, not a fringe G League guy, if you will. Who do you expect the least out of? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people are gonna be mad at me for, for making this pick considering the excitement surrounding him. Um, and this isn't to say that he won't play and that he won't get minutes and he won't get a chance to develop, but the guy I'm expecting the least out of this year, which is crazy because after they drafted him, I thought 
that there was the spot for him in the rotation consistently. But it's Sekou Dumbuya. I really like him. I think he's going to be a very talented player in the NBA. But I look at how this roster is formed. I look at how they lack a lot of shooting. I look at how they they brought in a couple different wings this offseason. They brought in a couple different four options. And I just don't really know if there's going to be as much of a chance for him to shine and for him to fit in as I initially thought there was going to be prior to free agency. You know? So this is a guy that if maybe even spent some time in the G League throughout the season, which I would be okay with because I think reps are super important. But with Tony Snell and Sfi, who played well in Summer League, you brought in Markeith Morris, you signed Christian Wood, those are two fours, and then Sfi plays a three, Snell plays a three, you have Bruce Brown, you have Luke Kennard, who can both play the three, you have Kyrie Thomas. There's just so many other guys on the roster that I'm worried that because of Dumboya's skill set, which isn't shooting the basketball it's just going to be too tough for him to get into the rotation, especially when we just, for a good 5-10 minutes, talked about the lack of shooting in the second unit with or without Kennard. Because even with Kennard, you have what? One, you know he's going to hit threes, and then you have a guy like Markeith and a guy like Don who is going to hit a three here or there, but I wouldn't consider them knockdown shooters. So I'm skeptical that Dumbuya is going to be put in the best position to shine this year. So, therefore, unfortunately, I have to say that he's the guy I'm expecting the least out of. That's, that's a good pick, Aaron. Um, it's just not his time. He's 18. He's the youngest player in the NBA. Right. Maybe it's just not quite his time because we, even though it was limited action in Summer League, and it's quite difficult to just be thrown in your first NBA game, Grant Summer League, but NBA game, after a week where everyone's already gotten acclimated and there's... There's a hierarchy to how things work on the court in the rotations. To just be thrown out there, everyone's acclimated and loose, and your nerves are like at 100 because this is your first game. But you could see that he was still raw and some time was going to be needed. I'm still super, super through the roof high on him. That's not changed, but maybe it's just not this year. So, Aaron, I like that pick. Um, A guy I'll go with is a guy who I think can crack the rotation, absolutely, for the bench. And uh, I'm I'm excited about him. I think he has a lot to prove. But I'll go with Kyrie Thomas. I If we're playing this game here from guys who are playing in the lineups, either a starter or rotation piece, and Kyrie gets those consistent minutes, I would ex- still expect the least out of him. He's still getting comfortable in his role. He's still figuring his himself out as a player how well he can shoot, how he takes to the basket. His defense needs some work. He's a good defender. He's still developing that. Uh, that's just a guy I think if he cracks that rotation, I would expect the least from. Fair enough. You know, I think I'm going to go in the direction of a guy that we expect to be in the second unit. And it's kind of, it kind of just fell into his place, and that's Thon Maker. You know, throughout the offseason, we were kind of wondering, well, what's Detroit going to do about backup center? What's Detroit going to do about backup center? Okay, we're just going to play Thon at backup center. He's not going to be the backup four. He's going to be the backup five. Thon had a lot of areas that he needed to get better in to be consistently, you know, a viable option for Detroit. You know, that's in strength, finishing at the rim, um, footwork, not committing fouls, using his feet, not his hands. um, Just being a consistent offensive threat, defensively not being a liability, the ability to rebound the basketball. He had a lot of areas that were areas of concern, especially in that playoff series. And Thon's just kind of been put in the spot of, well, he's the backup five. And after Thon, I mean, Christian Wood's the the only other guy you got. And how big is Christian Wood? 6'10". Yes, he can play the five, but he'll be on the smaller end. And... I could very much see Detroit at the deadline, especially if they're moving Reggie Jackson, looking for a backup center in in part of a return package uh, to help them out for some short-term relief if Thon cannot be that guy. I just haven't seen enough. I haven't heard enough about Thon. I know he posted some early off-season workout videos and things like that, but 
I, I really want to see it from Thon, and, and I just don't have a super high expectation for him to come in and be ready to be part of the Pistons, you know, 10-man rotation. I think that's kind of fair. I don't know if I'm falling for the the workout videos of the summer hoopla, but I've seen a lot of Thon Maker stuff, and it just kind of wants to make me believe that he's going to improve. But at the end of the day, the biggest things we were talking about Thon needing to improve on were size and movement and strength. It wasn't really about the skill with Thon. Yes, he needs to grow there, no doubt about it. But the things that were really holding him back was just his body. And I don't like you can't really see that kind of transition in the offseason. That's something we're not going to really be able to tell until training camp, until preseason, until the regular season's here. But I can buy into that. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like Detroit's just all the way ready to, to put all their stock in Don, considering they signed Christian Wood, and considering they signed Markeith Morris. Those are two guys that can play the backup center spot if needed. And, you know, it, it's just, I can see it. I can see it. And I can see Kyrie, too. I think all those guys could very much end up not being much of a factor this year. And I think the guy, I I think I like my pick best because I just don't envision a role for Sekou this year outside of spot minutes here or there or an injury filler. But I see see an opportunity for Thon. And I still see an opportunity for Kyrie to usurp Langston and, and, and get in at the backup two minutes or the backup three minutes off the bench. Just with Sekou, I just, just don't, don't see it happening unless someone gets injured. The only thing I'll, I'll say to that is, with Sekou having a questionable opportunity, I guess it's hard. It's like it's, it's almost unfair to have anything but low expectation just because, well, he's not going to have the opportunities there with it being a little bit of a logjam of guys that are at that position, and he's not going to beat out Tony Snell. We understand that. And for the backup spot, if it's if it's Svi or, or Kyrie or like if they make a trade and you know Bruce is the backup three, well then yeah, it's all it's not even fair right now well, to think he could be in that spot. Whereas Thon, who has an opportunity in front of him, I just don't expect him to be ready for that role. See, I think there's Seku's going to have a shot at, at training camp to get the backup three spot. You know, he's going to be competing with Kyrie, with with Svi, with whoever for that backup three spot. Right, and and I think there's a large enough contingent that expects him to get it. So that's why I say it. I still think there's a a belief that he's going to get it, and I just err on the side of caution in that regard. Yeah, I have some deeper thoughts on that whole bit there, but I think that's a fair conversation to save for another day and some content to save for another day on how you break down those positions and those rotations and stuff. Hey, there was another good uh, another good article on palspistons.com this week that our, one of our new writers broke down his opinion on how the rotation will, will shape out. So again, you can go and check that out on palspistons.com. There is a lot of content that we have come up with this week that the team has brought together this week to share with you. There was a great roundtable projecting bold predictions for the season, so a lot of different things you can check out. But I, I think all those picks were fair in their in their own regards. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I agree. I mean, you guys, that right there was a great I conversation love- about Seiku. The thing I th- about me with Kyrie Thomas is there's going to be an odd man out in this, in this rotation on the bench. And I... What we're left to believe, in a sense, is Langston I was just might say. be out of the rotation. Yeah, here, we're just not I mean? even discussing Langston. Yeah. And then, so that leaves the big three from Summer League. Bruce, Svee, and Kyrie. And my lowest expectations of those three are with Kyrie. And that's where my answer came from. Fair enough. My I have high expectations for what Bruce can do, either as a starter or a bench player. I expect him to be a solid rotational piece his whole career. I think Svi, his shooting ability and his ball handling ability, which he needs to work on still, um, pose greater potential than where Kyrie's at right now. I, I think I agree with that. So I think, in terms of the question, just who do you expect the least from? I'm take my view on it was just really the second year guys. Sure. Because I really like your thought answer and I really like your Seiku answer. 
But I looked at the second year guys fighting for that last mm-hmm. rotation spot. It seems sure. like I, I think there's a, there's there's numerous answers for both the question about X Factor as well as maybe lowest expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and there's a couple angles like you just broke down. I, I think we each took a different angle, and I think they're all a fair angle right. to take. I just think in the end, even though I love them, you know, I've been fighting for them. I it's right now just from what we've seen, it feels like Kyrie might be the odd man out here. If I was a listener right now, you know what I'd be saying? Aww, that's so nice. Listen to these guys. They're all getting along. Hey, you had a good answer. You had a good answer. You have a good answer. Everybody look under your chair. You've got a good answer. This is the first time in the podcast it's ever happened. It might be. (laughs) That we've ever agreed that, hey... You know what? If I didn't have my answer, I would have had your answer. If I didn't have my I would have had your answer. And you, who would have thought at the beginning of this podcast, this is how the podcast would kind of I know, round It out. was a rough start, fellas. That was tough. Was it rough or was it just a little heat? Uh, I thought it was kind of rough. I think I it was, mean, straight I think up it was op- uncalled for. Straight up opening segment. Yeah, it was uncalled for. Throats slashed right. opening segment. Listen, we had a very nice positive end to the podcast. I don't want to ruin that. So we're going to end on this happy, positive Everybody had everybody did a nice job today, right? Really good thoughts, really good pod. Before you go, I mean, we talked about it earlier, but check out palsapistons.com. Check out palsapistons on YouTube. Good content coming out every day. Every day there's good content coming out. Make sure you're checking those, you're following the YouTube page, you're you're checking out the website, you're checking out Twitter at palsapistons. Facebook, Palace of Pistons. Instagram, at Palace Pistons. You can follow Aaron at A. Johnson NBA. Ryan, at Ryan Pay. Myself, at Media Brendan. We appreciate the listenership. Numbers are good. It's the offseason. And we appreciate you for sticking with us here through the dog days of August as we get ready for the season to kind of come back, if you will. But uh, keep sticking with us. The content's going to keep coming. And we will see you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.